the bomb. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. What's happening to all my sound bombing people? This is your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields in the building. And we have an amazing show today. Always we're bringing some of the best, some of the brightest guests who are doing some amazing things, who are stepping out of the box, who are believing in themselves, who are confident, who are bold. And today we have Samara Stone all the way from California. Samara is a sunny California native with a bright, infectious smile. You guys should see this right now. Her natural ability to connect with people and her strong entrepreneurial spirit led her to start her first business in college and has carried her over to her unique career in social work. Since 2005, Samara has been the founder of the Stone Foundation, a behavior health firm in Maryland. As an innovative leader in the field of mental health, she leverages her 20 years of experience. I don't know how because she looked like she 25 unless she started the business when she was five years old. Have experience to develop business coaching and branding solutions specifically for her unique and niche of mental health entrepreneurs through her work with BeBrandConfident.com, which we're going to talk about. Samara is the perfect balance of compassion, accountability, offering insightful strategy while nurturing the emotional resilience needed to approach entrepreneurship with the confidence to take the inspired action. So we're excited that you are in the bomb shelter. How are you doing? I am wonderful. I am doing just wonderful. That smile is infectious. <laughs> when I was doing my research on you, and I know you, but I still did my research, every image of you, that smile was just bright. You were you were a breath of fresh air. Your energy uh, was amazing. It was fun researching you. There's some things I knew and some things I didn't know. And in the introduction, I talked about your first business. Now, I know you went to Hampton H-U. University, HU in the building. <laughs> we always send out our historically black colleges. You got HU over there. You had Grandma State University here. Mm-hmm. So what was that first business? Oh, Lamar. So here, here goes. I learned how to braid in Los Angeles because I kind of got tired of waiting folks to braid my hair and I wanted my wig right. right? So I was like, <laughs> let me make this thing right. But by learning to do so, when I stepped on the campus and people would say, well, who did your hair? And I'm like, me. They're like, well, can you do my hair? And I thought, absolutely, absolutely. So while other folks were getting jobs at the grocery store up on Mercury Boulevard, that's a little shout out for folks who's been in Hampton, Virginia. Uh-huh. But they were getting a job at um, the grocery store. I was braiding hair and making money in my own home. And, you know, it was real cool because not only did we untie the knots in the hair, we also started untying knots in the mind. So you having some serious conversations. We really were. We were, were talking. We, weren't we deep in college? I'm telling you. Yeah, 
we grew up and had see. kids and family, and that we were doing the thing. We were about to change the world, right? How about and that? And then them student loans and all that other stuff kicked <laughs> Start in. Start changing my world. So you all were having some deep conversations, while you, but it's something therapeutic about doing it really hair, was. right? It really was, and and you know, I had this way of creating like a full experience. They come, I'd have fresh banana bread. We back then it was blockbuster uh, <laughs> VHSs. I'm not gonna tell y'all how long ago it was. I was in college, but but it had this kind of we set this vibe where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm make you look right, but we're going to be beautiful from the inside out, right? And I love those kind of conversations because it really, I think, made women challenge their ideas about what it meant to be natural at a time back in the early 90s when that was not popular and common, right? And So, so we you were, were doing natural hair at yes, that time. Yes, we were doing natural hair, braids. I was, I so was how much were you charging? Let's, let's take us back. $85 for micro mix. 85 <laughs> Wait, and this was in the 90s? Yeah. Wait, first of all, <laughs> Where were these folks getting eighty five <laughs> refund day? Right, right. Look, look, they gonna save up that money because that hair is gonna last them two, three months. So they made it right. Yes. So where did that hustle come from? I know you. I know you from the West Coast, from LA, correct? Yep, Los so Angeles. So where did that hustle come from about you making know, money Lamar, on the college campus? I have seen entrepreneurs around me my entire life. You know, and, and I don't know. You know, Los Angeles. It's a series of small businesses, simply wholesome, just small businesses. My first few jobs were in like doctors' offices that were entrepreneurs that had me answering, you know, front desk or real estate agent lady that I was working for, collecting rent checks. And so, these experiences helped me to see that you can build something for yourself, and it can be your unique creation. It can be something that's reflective of your values, and it gives you the freedom to be in command of your own time. So did. You want to be an entrepreneur? First of all, did you even know that you were an entrepreneur? I don't think so. I think I just was getting paid to do some. You were just getting paid, <laughs> trying to go hang out at the, at the club. Go, I knew I didn't want to work in that grocery store. I knew that. So much. you had some standards. Yes, I knew I did not want to work in that grocery wow. store, and I knew that I I love creativity. I have always loved creativity and color and textures and making things beautiful. And so for me, being able to do people's hair and give them these beautiful and unique styles, that was fun for me. And the fact that I got paid to do it in the comfort of my own home was even better. So you learned about entrepreneurship at a young age, growing yes. up in California, a lot of small businesses. You took it then to Hampton University. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Now, what was your major at Hampton? Were you a business major? Psychology. So you were a psychology, psychology. major. Yes, yes. Wow. You know, and I had these grand dreams. I was going to be psychology in undergrad, right? And then my master's was in social work, and I was going to get a PhD in cultural anthropology. So I was just going to understand the whole human experience. experience. And then I met my husband and started having babies, and you know, that kind of thing happened. <laughs> But what's beautiful, though, I think, is being able to have psychology and that understanding of the human experience, it allows you to apply that, like, all across the board, all across the board. So what are some things that you learned in California from entrepreneurs mm. when you were growing up, you were working? What are some of those things that you learned then that you then now carried over into your current business? And we'll talk about what that business is, but what are some things that you learned? It is all about creating enchanting experiences so for your customer. That. It has to be something that is unexpected, mm-hmm. that gives them a unique experience that they can't find anywhere else, and and something that's genuine to form. Like it has to be a fruit of your own spirit, something that you love and that you're passionate about, because that's what's going to have you show up every day to do it and make it right, right? And so I remember working for this one lady. Um, her name was Emma. The store was called Sandwich. Plus, it was kind of one of those um, hamburger pick it up type of, you know, front short order cook type vibes. Um, But she made the most beautiful and delicious cakes. And 
she would cater and do these amazing things. And you could see how much she loved what she was doing, right? And so I think for me, knowing that people came in not just because the food was good, but because the vibe was right. Right, And so in business building, it's about the way you make people feel as they're engaging with your services. That's the layer that no one else can reproduce. So she had Emma had a passion yes, she for did. cooking. She had a passion for mm-hmm. presentation. Yes. And so now you've taken that passion for presentation uh-huh. and passion for talking and counseling uh-huh. to, to your own to your own business. It's true. Um, let, let's talk about your business. Okay. Uh, and you have several of them that I've actually... <laughs> discovered um you know let's talk about your business tell me how did you get started and walk us through those steps so we moved from the salon well you wasn't even in the salon that was at all what what what, that was do you remember the apartment where you were you know what it was on gawain way gawain way so was your roommate down did you have to pay was she that did you have to break your roommate off some money no no i own the house you own you own ownership early in life, brother. What? It was cheaper to buy a property and build up my credit while an undergraduate than it was to rent an apartment you closer own to campus. Property. I sure did. I see why your husband married you. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go now. So I see why the making the he was like, I'm keeping <laughs> this, this one. one. <laughs> you own see that right there is a lesson that yeah. I'm hoping that our college students are listening to That's and right. the parents, because I'm at the step now where my daughter's gonna be going to it probably not historically like college. And again, if you're talking about getting into ownership, I think about when I was, you know, when I reflected on being on, on the college campus, my whole life was about kicking it. Yes. Having a good t- it wasn't even about making money. And it's yeah. unfortunate because, again, in many of our communities of color, you know, the economic piece is just is sort of secondary. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I'm paying rent, this, that, the other. But to hear that you're saying that, it you know, I'm thinking about you starting a business. I think about all the things, all the things that I was doing and I was giving my service away. So you yeah. owned a home. I did. It was I owned a townhome, and I had roommates most of the time, like one roommate that would pay half, if not more than half, of the mortgage, and it built up my credit. So for those three years that I owned the house, I was just building my credit while I was in college. So let's back up. Before we go into the business, let's take a step back. Uh Where did you learn that from? My mama. So let's talk about (laughs) your mama, because again, I think that that's very, very important. I watched the interview of Nia Long talking about her mom and her riding on the bus with her mom and the things that she actually learned because again before we get into how you start your business and we talked about you growing up in LA and observing Mm -hmm. other businesses but then somebody taught you something if we're going to go to HBC what are some things your mother taught you at a very young age that you carried over into your business my mother is such a sharp woman like she is altogether brilliant and you think I've got some energy. She is a bundle of, of fire and possibility. And so what I always observed is my mother being a go-getter. She was in the mortgage industry um, and on the money side, not the real estate side. So she was always trying to get the funding together for folks to be able to purchase homes. So she understood credit. She understood how it worked. She understood how to build it up and that I would need that early in life if I was going to do something um, that would, would create a platform for me to be able to build a solid financial life for myself. And so I think watching her do this for others, because she was also a trustee at the church, so she was in charge of the money at the church. She was counting money with her eyes closed. All of them. Yeah, 10. (laughs) Count them up. Count them up. And and she just had a way of always making sure that you were thinking about how how the money flowed, how the money flowed. Um, and so when it was time to go to college, and I can't say I had the full presence of mind to know that this was the right thing, but she was doing the math like we would either have to help her pay for an apartment or how much I can buy a house and the mortgages. What? Oh, psh. 
Let's get that. And so being able to make those decisions, not just going the path of least resistance, but exploring options and then making an informed choice, that's a powerful, powerful strategy for living an on-purpose life. Wow. Yeah, man. That's what's up. And that's you learn, up. you're learning at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I think about all the money that I wasted from, mm-hmm. you know, the HBC, we talk about refund day. Yeah. How yes. that money could have been. My boy Vic, God rest his soul, made up a song, Samar. <laughs> Called Refund Day. But think about reinvesting back because, again, most of us are living, and I'm speaking my truth, Mm -hmm. living for that day. I didn't grow up in a home where we valued that. My mother was a social worker, so Mm -hmm. you know, old school Claudine, kids showing up at my house. Do I know this kid? You can't do that now. I said, Ma, you know, you'll get locked up, (laughs) putting the kid in the car, spending the night, trying to protect them. but again, you learned at a very young age from your mother, and you don't yeah. hear that enough about people of color who are yeah. sending their kids away to school. Right. And again, we both went to school in the South. Property was cheap. My like rent was 350 and I remember people renting houses. The mortgage for the was 400 Wow. Brother, right? You understand? So, I mean, but, but having the awareness to know to go get the mortgage. Right. Having the awareness to seek that out. And I think that's where information is so key for us. Sometimes we don't do better because we don't know better. We don't know the full landscape of what's possible. And so we just go with what is right at field of vision. You know, when you go in the grocery store and they stock the things that's right at eye level. We don't know to look above or below to explore possibility. And so I'm really about encouraging people to explore possibilities so they can make choices that are right fit for them. And for me, being able to work at my home, braiding hair making $85 a pop and if I did three, four heads in a week I was good you know what I mean and and setting my own schedule it gave me a taste of a freedom that I have never been able to let go of I I love the freedom that entrepreneurship affords us wow yeah especially for women so why not business why social work and mental health. So that's just it. Like, um, to me, my approach to business building is probably not as structured as I think most would think of for the MBA and marketing strategies and advertising and, and balance sheets. I really believe in doing something that's meaningful and on purpose, right? So this is that place where my social work values and my entrepreneurial spirit kind of collide. I think that having clarity around what you are ideal gifted and suited to do and then creating a vehicle that allows you to do that in a way that pays for your living and helps you to kind of take good care of yourself and your family that's the apex of a personal and professional life well blended right and so to me I I don't I don't seek opportunities in my business that are just money making um, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with it for folks who do that as a matter of fact I admire the folks I'm like dang I, maybe I need to these folks over here stacking millions but I, I seek things that make me feel like I'm making a unique contribution things that make me feel like I can see the impact, right? I like that kind of stuff. Is that why you stay in this in this yeah, genre of why. work? That's why. I mean, I still do some work outside of the mental health field. I'm a consultant with another organization that does like online business building for, it's an international company. That's a lot of fun. I get to talk to people all over the world and engage with folks. So in that capacity, I'm more of an entrepreneur where I'm still having the freedom to set my own schedule and, and do some things, but I get a chance to not be the one making all the decisions about how things happen. That's kind of fun. So what, building your business, what, what are some of the roadblocks to building your business? <sighs> you know, I really feel like um, 
the the personal development side of business building is something that we often overlook. I don't think people talk a lot about the emotional experience of trying to climb and create something from nothing. Because uh, trailblazers don't have templates and the things when you're creating something that's completely unique, it's not a franchise, it's not a Chick-fil-A you bought for 10000 and then, you know, worked it out. When you're building something that is of your own creation, you got to work through being seen and having the confidence to really show up as an expert, um, there's a huge learning curve. No matter what the business is going to be, there's going to be an area that you're not a student. So for folks, let's say if you're an accountant, you know your numbers, you know how to stack them, but you don't know how to deal with people. You know, social workers, we know how to connect with people, you don't know how to deal with numbers. So whatever your yin-yang is, you got to learn the opposite side enough to be effective in trying to manage your business. That was hard. And what were some of those things specific that you had to That money piece was rough, oddly enough. Like we talked about, you know, having the savvy around personal finances, but then understanding what business finances are because they look totally different. You know, what you do with your personal finances every two weeks, every month, what your budget looks like, and then what a business wants? No, that no, that's a whole nother framework. And so I remember my accountant, she several times had to sit me down like, Samara, no, you're going to learn how to read these balance st- sheets and these profit and loss statements. You're going to understand how to make wise choices from these, from these financials. Um, so that was difficult. I also think for me, balancing... Um, Doing the things that I was good at and 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 wanting to just do the stuff that I was good at versus kind of stretching myself to learn some new skills so that I could kind of have a bigger impact. That was hard because that learning curve, you know, it's a, it could be a confidence killer when you try something and you don't do it right. Um, but I learned over these 14 years of being in business that, you know, one of the things that any entrepreneur that's going to be successful has to get comfortable with is failing not doing it right, having it suck in the beginning, right? Because you can't get great unless you just get in the game first. You know, no nobody steps up to the plate day one and knocks it out of the park. You have to be willing to miss a couple of balls, but swing, but swing, continue to swing. And so for me, that that courage to keep swinging, even when I felt like I was messing it up, that was tough. But I got that. I, I Over time, I started learning that even in failure, even in mistakes, even in brokenness, the the remnants, the phoenix opportunity that came from that, I learned how to come back brighter and stronger. So why, why do some entrepreneurs shy away from failure? I, knew, I believe that failure is a lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but many of entrepreneurs shy away from that failure. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been your greatest failure and what have you learned from it? What was that greatest failure? Hmm. And what did you learn from that that great failure that you at the time you probably thought that this was it that this was that yeah. this was it? So when I first got my first contract, um, I was so idealistic about what we could do. I had all these ideas, Lamar. We're gonna do this and that, and I had budget to first to make it happen. <laughs> and and my projections were like like rainbows in the sky. They had nothing to do with reality and what could actually happen. And so about four months into the contract, I realized, oh, this is a, this is a poop stone. Like, I don't know what the world we about to do to get to the end of this contract year. Because there was no way that I could actually make good on the projections the way that I did. Uh, from the way that I had thought that it was going to work out. But I'll tell you what was interesting. The place that we were working for, the Yo Center, Yo Baltimore, yeah. they were so impressed with our intention that they start finding ways to fund 
the rest of the program. The money just started. So sometimes the your vision is enough to create the momentum, and then you make space for others to kind of join along and, and keep pressing it forward. So what does Samara do in that process when you've gotten knocked down? Walk mm-hmm. us through your process. What do you do? Any rituals? So you get knocked down. This roadblock comes this big failure and you're learning from it, what do you then do to then lift yourself up? I think the best example would be how I started the business in the first place. So I was working at this place that was, you know, well, I'll say it this way. I started working there in October and in two weeks I learned, one, that I was pregnant and two, that this place was unethical and a hot mess. (laughs) I learned these things like simultaneously. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So so my plan was, you know what? I'm just going to wait till I have the baby. I'm going to exit smooth. I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to be all right. But it just wasn't all right. And as they continued to ask me to do things that I had to say no to, they got tired of me not being willing to go on with the foolishness. And so they let me go. So it's about January. They fire me. Fired. I've never been fired. So the in my CEO life. has been fired, like Steve Jobs. What? Was, folks don't realize he started. I'm like y'all really fired. trying to let me go, and I was about four months pregnant at the time. So where are you gonna go work with the big belly? Yeah. And this is why I think for women in particular, entrepreneurship is such an important tool when we're trying to have babies and build lives for ourselves. It gives you balance. But that night, I cried literally all night long. I, my poor husband, he was like, "It's gonna be okay," but it's not. Like I just, I couldn't get it together because the pain of feeling like I had been fired and rejected and then also not knowing what was going to come next. I had no template. I had no pattern for what to do. So I allowed myself to wallow in that ugliness. And then the next morning, I opened the Stone Foundation. I figured out how to make an LLC, how to get on these insurance companies. And by the end of the month, I was seeing clients in a fully furnished office. Sometimes the pain of discomfort is the right amount of, of impetus that you need to find the path forward. And I know for me, I let myself feel the things. I let myself feel all of the failure, the discomfort, the whatever it is, because I know that on the other side of that, I, I have learned to believe in my ability to course correct and rebuild, right? And so I think with failure, let it wash over you. So your 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 therapy was acknowledging that it happened. Yeah. Acknowledging that I feel Staying this right way. In it. Are there any other things that you might have done? Any, any readings, any rituals, anything? Conversations that you might have had. Oh, I, I really have people in my life that I have deep and real conversations with, and you need that. You need people that you can speak truth to and will reflect back to you not only the space that you're in, but who you actually are. Because there's the moment in time, the failure that you're experiencing, but then there's the bigger picture of who you actually are. So you need folks that can see both of those for you and reflect them back. Um, I also think that journaling is important. I always write honestly about what I'm experiencing. Experiencing in the moment because you you kind of start to see patterns over time if you pay attention. Your life is always talking to you. It's always teaching you something that can help you to grow and be stronger. And so that piece is real for me. Talking to friends, journaling, being honest, not making up stories about whose fault it was and what they did and what... Being honest, sitting right there in the middle of the, the poor choices that we make so you can really learn from them. Yeah. And I know you are very passionate about women entrepreneurs and women being involved in starting their own businesses Um, as a woman what are some of the challenges that you face as a woman and as a woman of color Mm -hmm. starting and or running a business 
You know, uh, Lamar, one of the things I've noticed when looking at gender inequality in terms of economic realities for women and men, and even pay disparities, the, 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 the having of children impacts a woman's earning potential in a way that is outside of her control if she's not an entrepreneur. Because if I need to take off from work, I miss out on these. If I'm sitting down for six months while everyone else is continuing to climb, I have this this truncated kind of process. But as an entrepreneur, you get a chance to set the course for how you're going to roll in your business. And so for me, uh, being able to do both has been key. Being able to do both has been key. And I think that for even being able to be in control of your own schedule and your own time, because as much as daddies are involved, and I know y'all some rock star dads out there, it is the truth. But for the first year or so of that baby's lives, we have an actual physical connection still, right? And so there are ways that I have to be present with my baby, Um that if I'm accountable to a job, it's hard. I remember when I had my first child, I was out for a while. I went back to work. I was there for about a week and started feeling the, you know, I was breastfeeding. And it was, I was like, I can't do this. I got to go home. And so being able to be the kind of mother I wanted to be, it, it, it gave me the inspiration to create entrepreneurial spaces for myself that allowed me to be a mom and a professional. And I really in, encourage that for women because it'll, it, you get a chance to control your time you can control your time and you can live out your values the challenge I think for us is just the same thing we do have to be mindful of our family situations and because that becomes a priority for women often it it kind of puts us in a position where we have to juggle the two and I always say at least juggling in a way that you're making the choices. Because when we're working for someone else, they are in control of your time and your energy and how much of it you get to have. You ask them, how many days can I have to do this, that, and the other? And I think building an infrastructure, even as a micropreneur, you don't have to be full-time hustling it. I really believe that um, entrepreneurship doesn't have to be all risk. I'm going out there and let me just take this all on and do nothing else. You can have a full-time something and start nurturing yourself side hustle so that when you are ready to make transitions when it's time to have children you have some flow in place for yourself right yeah so you mentioned earlier you talked about the word passion it's a word that I hear I hear a lot um where does passion and purpose sort of collide or sort of disconnect as an entrepreneur when you look at those two words together this passion Purpose, and then let's throw another word in there: profit. Mm, now, now, now we're having a real conversation, brother. Those three things. Yes. So, so we might be passionate about something that we enjoy, mm-hmm. but it may not serve a real purpose out there in the world. Something that people actually need and that is going to have impact. Right. And so I think sometimes even when we're talking to people and building their brands, getting them to see that it's not just what you want to do. It's what you are uniquely gifted to do that someone else needs. There's that's the sweet spot. And from there, you can start to see the profits into your life. And so I feel like um, a lot of times people say, just do what you love and the money will come. And that is not true. You can love um, crocheting hats. But I'm going to tell you the amount of time it takes to crochet a hat and the profit margin is low. So it's not 
not just doing what you love. It is doing doing things that you are gifted to do, finding the thing that you are great at and are gifted to do and doing it in a way that you love, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the place where it can it can be on purpose. I think too that um we don't want to build businesses in isolation. This is not a passion project just for you to feel good. If you're serious about doing something that's meaningful in the world, you have to connect it to real problems and challenges that people are having out there that need solving. And and for me, I mean, that's the real magic is when you can take something that you're gifted with and solve a challenge that someone couldn't figure out on their own. That's why they pay you the profits to help you do it <laughs> because they don't know how to do the guru, this thing. Yeah. Yes. Expert in that area. Yes, yeah. yes. But sometimes getting people to own their expertise is the challenge, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they may be, you know, confidence is an interesting thing and in how it shows up in the life of an entrepreneur. You got to believe in yourself and the and the beauty in your own gifts and and the impact that you can have. You got to prove to yourself that you can make things happen and then hold on to that as evidence times when you don't believe in yourself. So do you think with that level of confidence as you're talking about, you think that that's something that people can can learn, sit in yes. a class, a seminar, or do you think it's sort of innate in them? Because again... So I think you learn it, but I don't think you learn it because in the Because when, when you look at Apple and... Mm-hmm. and I mean, folks love Steve Jobs. It was almost like he was, he was like this icon when mm-hmm. he released this this new product. He was very charismatic and things of that nature. What are some things that you think that 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 schools of business are not teaching entrepreneurs that are coming out? Because we talked about confidence, we mm-hmm. talked about passion. Mm-hmm. What are some things that they aren't learning in the classroom that you're going to have to literally learn? You know, and some of the things that you had to learn. Yeah. That, that weren't written out into some type of mm-hmm. business one-on-one. Right, right. I mean, I really do believe that personal development is like the hidden secret to business success. Anybody who is intentionally working on strengthening your, their own, you know, sharpening their skills and strengthening their deficits, being aware of how to build teams of people that complement what you bring to the table, like you got to learn how to use yourself, know yourself and know how to use yourself in service to your business. And, and that's... That is not something that I think people give. I mean, they may do a strengths finder. You might get the Gallup strengths finder. You figured out your top five, Clifton. You might get, you know, the what's that thing, the disc store. Like, they got these other little things that they give you, but... I feel like you have to be on an intentional journey for personal growth and development if you're going to sharpen yourself into a tool that can really be effective and profitable in your business. Um, I also think that you, you, you mentioned, well, is it something that's innate or is it something you learn in a seminar? I think neither. You know, I think it's something that life teaches you when you're open. You have to you have to let experiences shape you, right, and not run from the challenge of them. And I think that's something that we they don't even talk about the the that piece in the way that you develop business. And and the other layer of that personal development is also relationship development. If it if it's not about relationship, it's what is it about? We have to have connection with others, whether they're our clients or the consultants helping us to grow. We have to know how to deal with people. And I think in a world now where there's so much AI and and distance, being able to connect with human beings in meaningful ways, how to really build vibe with folks. That's a gift. And you know that is the big issue 
that we're discovering in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy just opened up a school, uh, brother uh, David, out of California, mm. and he has an opportunity to open up a school in Asia. And he said the greatest challenge he's learning from the Asians to because I, I was asking him all. I'm always on interview mode. Right. Just got off the stage. He right. wanted to meet me. I'm like, yo, I want to know who you are. He started the school. And I said, what what is something what's what are some things you're learning about the Asian cultures that you didn't know? And he said, of course they're good at math and science no because that's a scared. that's a rote system. But getting them to work together collaboratively, he said it is interesting to watch. And again, we have all this technology, everything from keeping our calendar, from the mm-hmm. AI, from Alexa turning on, mm-hmm. and we still don't unable to communicate with one another. People. And when you talk about business savvy, is mm-hmm. how do you then Communicate with individual cross culturally, and I'm not just saying race. It's just you from LA, I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. We say things different. Y'all still say hella stuff. <laughs> hella <laughs> good. Like, hella what? I'm like, hella, hella good. But I was school, like, what the hell? Hella. Sweet what is the it? Sweet. <laughs> so again, it's how do you do that? And again, I think what business where business are failing is that they're not collaborating more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people are reading. Like when I work with schools, when I work with educators, educators don't read. We're not listening to podcasts. We're not reading the latest material, the latest research. We're focusing on the now, and the now don't really exist. It's just, it's going to be gone in a second. And so to hear you say, pouring back in yourself, what are some things that you do on a daily basis to pour back into yourself? Because you're in a profession where you're constantly giving. Your bucket is being full. What do you do on a daily basis to pour back in yourself? Are there some websites that you listen to? Are there some podcasts you listen to? Shout out to Sound Bombing. I see you in the gym, home grab and watch you in the yes, gym. Yes, I was just about to I saw you working out. Got my girl Khalil in there working what? out. Yes. Uh, you said real women don't allow women to work out by themselves or mm-hmm. something like that. So, what are some things that you do to sharpen your skills? Because again, as a woman, mm. as a woman of color, you're mm-hmm. coming into a male dominated yeah. world quite often. Yeah. And then they start. They're trying to size you up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I. I really do believe in being beautiful in business. I don't do competition from the standpoint that folks approach it. And so for me, um, the more I'm clear about who I am and my own contrast from what, you know, like it's not it's not to compare. It's to have enough contrast that people can see how I'm different. And I don't compete. I have a different way of approaching being in business with folks. And I think bringing that feminine side is, is a part of what's been my magic and allowing me to create something that's unique. Because I run with it that way And let others run with the way they run it Um, But no, self-care is huge Over the past six months, I would say I've been intentional about exercising Lost about 15, 20 pounds Y'all don't even want to see it Yeah, yeah, yeah They ain't ready for you They not ready Making the young girls look They like 45 through days That's right (laughs) But but it has been I didn't realize that being able to consistently exercise Would give so much to me Like in the way of endorphins and strength stress management and clearing my mind like it, just being able to that physicality has been wonderful um, I really believe in having deep and transformative honest authentic conversations with people that I trust and I have people in my life that I have curated relationships to the degree that they it's like surgery they know just how to, to help me get my stuff together as I'm moving through situations in life and I think we need to be intentional in creating relationships that are productive and helpful. It's nice to have people you just hang out with. Ah, that's cool. That's one level of friendship. But you need an inner circle of people that um, 
can speak to you in genuine and real ways. And I, I have, I'm blessed to have at least three or four people that I say are in that place for me. Um, so I think having that is good. Another thing I do, um, you did mention about podcasts and, and websites. And I am a researcher. I'm always looking at something. I'm always learning about some new concept, you know, and how it can apply to something that we're doing. Um, and, and I try to... I try to be a smart learner, right? And and not overwhelm myself with useless content, but to give myself information that I can turn around and implement and see results from. It's it's my little game that I play with myself to to make sure I'm feeling progressive. Like I'm not just not giving myself information for information's sake, but I, I try to monitor my implementation to make sure I'm I'm moving the needle on my business in ways that matter. Um, those are some of the things. That so you you playing you playing chess, just not checkers. You just not moving around. Yeah, every move <laughs> means something, right? I try to, I try to look yeah. look about eighty three percent of them. Can I yeah, do that? Eighty three percent of them. <laughs> I got well. One of the things I also discovered from you know from my research. Um, is that you also have this branding arm of what you're doing. I think it's called Be Brand Confident. Mm -hmm. And I want to share with you, there's a great book out uh, by Seth Price and Barry Feldman. The book is called Road to Recognition. I just want to read an excerpt. It says, bring who you are to what you do. Mm. What does that mean to you? Mm. That's a quote from their book. Bring who you are to what you do. What does it have to do with branding and then how does one then sort of create and develop a brand? Man, you speak in my heart, Lamar. So because I have been a coach for mental health professionals for about five or six years, helping them to build businesses, you know, when you think about counseling, you, you might, it, it kind of seems like a flat process. You, you, you're the therapist. Here's the client. You deliver this counseling, da-da-da. But the truth is every therapist is uniquely suited to serve a certain type of client. And the quest is to figure out what is going to make that fit so that you're not burned out, so that you're delivering the best possible service, and you're able to sharpen your skills and become expert in an area that really matters. Um, I think the the approach of generalist practice has been so detrimental to therapists because it has us bouncing around, doing all kinds of things that we're not suited to do. And so for me, bringing who you are to the work that you do is being self-aware enough about your skills, your interests, your talents, what you're, what you're passionate about, what your purpose is going to be, so that you can create a business model that will allow you to be profitable. And I think that when we don't do that, we, we truncate our ability to um, build businesses that are meaningful. Um, for me, branding is about um, that journey of self-awareness. You know, we just had a branding intensive this morning with a, a client, and um, she's a sex therapist, and we were talking some about how she came to doing this work and why that was important and why that was meaningful. There is a story that has brought you to the place that you are. And just like the future has a past, this place that you're in right now has an even deeper past. And when you pull a thread through all of those things, you become unstoppable in your ability to connect with people and really resonate in a, in a meaningful way. And so for me, it's about making sure that folks understand themselves enough that they can show up with clarity and confidence when it's time for them to talk about what they want to do in business, right? And then we layer into that some tech savvy stuff and some creativity and design work. You know, we make it beautiful. That's how we're going to do so that folks can actually connect with the people that they're ideally suited to work with. And so 
let's talk about what is personal branding? What does that actually mean? So I think, what does it entail? Well, so there's personal branding and then there's creating a brand for your business. And sometimes the two are the same. The truth is you already have a brand, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're intentional and in turning up the volume on it or not. It's the, th- it's, the, it's the imprint that you put on people when they connect with you. It's what they say about you when you're not in the room. It's the energy that you bring to the things that you do that becomes your personal brand. Um, but I think when we are intentional about curating that so that the impression that's left is one that moves you towards achieving the goals that you want to achieve in your business, that's kind of where the personal and the professional start to meet. You know, I talk to people a lot about that sweet spot where um, there's enough of who you are in your professional life that people can see you in it and not just the degree. Nobody cares about your, the letters before and after your name. Once you meet the smell test, they know that you got the, the credentials. They know that. The next question is, can you really help me? Can I really connect with you? Do I trust you? You know, is what you're saying, um, does, it, does, it, does it feel authentic? Does it feel genuine? Right? And so being able to infuse yourself in that in an authentic way, that's where you start making those real connections with people. And it matters. It so, matters. So do you think that um, the idea of personal branding, you think is commonly misunderstood? When you talk about developing your personal brand? I do, especially if people think that branding is something somebody's going to do to you. You know, like it's, it's, it's something you discover about yourself. It's not like you walk in a room and then somebody sprays you with some brand. You know, like, it, you know, like, way it works. <laughs> right, right. You know, you go to the, the Crayola conference and just pick out some colors and that's your brand. I think that having a level of intentionalism and self awareness in who you are and the, and the image you're wanting to portray. Right. And it's everything from the way that you speak and your clothing and the kinds of the choices around the things you get involved in. All of that comes together. I think if if there's anything that's misunderstood about it is the purpose. You know, a lot of times when we hear branding, we think of it as like a precursor to marketing. We're just doing a bit of branding so we can get this marketing stuff straight. Where really branding to me is, is part and parcel of that personal development that you keep hearing me talk about so that you can be intentional in how you're using yourself in your business to help it grow. Essentially, when I was when I was checking you out and going to all the sites and reading articles about you, when I came across this particular one, Be Brand Confident, I looked at your site and I saw you and I saw, I think, your partner Keisha. Keisha. Man, I thought Keisha was Estelle from uh, American Boy with Kanye. You know the Kanye <laughs> yes. I was like, hold up. My girl has Estelle from the Kanye West American. <laughs> she looks just like Estelle. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so what role does uh, Keisha play in the branding piece That's with you girl. as well? So um, I would say that the two of us together have made such magic. We've been working together for about seven years now. And where I'm extrovert, she's introvert. Where I'm confident, she's clarity, right? Where I'm fire, she's cool. So you've already destroyed stereotypes of black women coming together. Beautiful sisters. BeBrandConfident.com. You already debunked that piece. Yes. And you find out how you guys can work together. Beautifully together. And in a way that allows each of us to shine in our unique talents, right? So the things that she does, we trust that she does. The things that I do, she trusts that I that I do. And so being able to kind of have this mutually um, supportive dynamic in the way that we build business has been so beautiful. And our clients benefit because while I'm engaging them in getting them talking and we we she's in the background observing the things that aren't being said 
the pieces below the surface. And so by the time she uh, gives back to them what she has seen, the level of clarity about who they are and their brand is absolutely amazing. And then we start layering on top of that brand extensions, ways that you can actually make money from this brand. Like how you going to monetize this wonderful brand? We like the word monetize. Yeah, we like monetize. Monetization, (laughs) right? It's a good word. Yes, and we want ways to do that. And so I think um, having a partner, and this is the first endeavor where I've had a partner. I've been in business 14 years, but Keisha and I started um, about a year ago. Keisha, you know that's a sister. Yes, Keisha Kells. Keisha Kells. Doing this branding work together. And it has been a tremendous, tremendous experience. And our clients are benefiting so much from having that duality in place. So where where would one start? If I'm coming to you and I say I, I want to brand myself, mm-hmm. walk me through that process yeah. of what that what that looks the like. The first thing we give people is their unique niche. Who are you working with? Who are these people? So the you, audience. Who's your audience? Who is okay. your audience? Who are these folks? And what is it that you want to offer them? Like I feel like that is the spine that the brand is built upon. Because once you know that, then we can start talking about colors and fonts and images and messaging that speak to that. Um, and I think for me, I believe in building things that have layers. So it's not just the words that are written on the page. It's the images that you've intentionally selected that complement that, right? It's having images of yourself that portray the energy that you're trying to to put out there and then having services that make sense for what you're offering you know because <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's important, right? that's important I can't tell you how many times people have all these ideas of what they want to represent and then we start talking about okay so how is the money coming into you oh um it gets quiet and so for me the brand is not if it's not functional and productive then it is not truly the the full the full um, picture of what your brand. So is who today. has that? Give me some people that we know in in who, in the media right now who you love their brand. They they they're getting it right. Give me some folks. Oh, that's a good question. So um, in the media right now that I love love love. When you look at brand. some folks who got the brand together, they got it who tight. They got it tight. You know, um, I really like what Rihanna is doing. Okay, I like what she has done with her makeup line. And the energy behind it, it feels real consistent. It feels global. It feels inclusive and progressive. I love what she's doing. Now, of course, you you know, being able to see the layers in that, how she's got music and these collaboration that she does with other people and how all of those things kind of come together is beautiful. Um, My boy, uh, Childish Gambino. Yes. I like what he's doing. His brand. I like him. I like this kind of nerdy, quirky thought-provoking, funny, different thing that he's done. So let me tell you who I love, uh, since you didn't ask me. Uh, two <laughs> magazines I love. I guess it's my show. I should have been asking you. Fast Company and Ink Magazine. I'm always talking about that. Yeah. On the cover of Ink Magazine this month is, well, let me go to the one I just read. It is, uh, what's my boy, the three-point basketball shoot? LeBron? I, no, oh, no, LeBron. Steph Curry. So Steph Curry's on the cover. But inside is Tyler, the creator. If you're not familiar oh, with Tyler, the creator, yes. he's your homeboy out of California. Yes. Doing an amazing job. Yes. And this month, Janelle Monet is on the cover yes. of the magazine. But Tyler, the creator, is a brand genius. And so, yes. again, when you think about brands, when you think about images, yes. he is somebody that, that I actually think of. And so, again, you know, I think branding is important. Mm-hmm. The reason why we created Sound Bombing was to sort of extend 
is to, uh, to extend my brand. Now, before we get out of here, uh, tell people how they can get in contact with you. Oh, the best place is BeBrandConfident.com. And then I'm all over social media at I am Samara Stone on Instagram, Facebook. That's it. Hanging out. And I also have a Facebook group called the Entrepreneur's Tribe, which I'm really enjoying. It gives us a chance to kind of nurture that entrepreneurial spirit and help folks move forward in ways that's powerful. So this is the fa- my favorite part of the show. Yes. It's called the Sound Bombing Questions. So I'm going to throw out a question to you real quick, and I want you to respond really, really quickly. All okay. right? Mm-hmm. All right. So you ready? I'm ready. Uh, what's your favorite word? Grow. What sound or noise do you love? I like um, I like nature sounds and drum sounds. Okay. What's your superpower? Positivity. What's your spirit animal? A bird. What are you reading now? I'm reading about it's this book about chakras. I can't remember the title of it. Okay. What are you listening to? Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Yeah, Kendrick. <laughs> Um, what is the book or books you've given as a gift most and why? Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. Okay, it'll great stretch science your fiction. It'll there stretch we go. your mind. It'll stretch your mind about what is possible. Okay. If you had a gigantic billboard in L.A. or anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions, what would that message say? Let's grow. Well, that's how we're going to end this, sister. <laughs> Well, I would like to thank my girl, Samara Stone, for joining me in the bomb shelter. It's been great talking with you. It's been great looking at that beautiful smile. Just a ball of energy. Uh, You've truly blessed me and you've truly blessed our listeners. I also like to uh, wish you much success in all the work that you're actually doing and looking to be one of your clients really, really soon. I'd also like to thank my producer, Darius Wilmore. And also Supremacy for our theme music and all of our listeners who are listening in the bomb shelter. And as always, believe that something wonderful is about to happen. (laughs) And that some people miss the message because they are too busy looking for the mess. You've been listening to another (laughs) exciting edition of Sound Bombing. And I'm your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields in the building. (laughs) 